Hi, this is Declan Shalvey, uh, writer, artist of Moon Knight and Time Before Time, and uh, you're listening to 11 O'Clock Comics. Was there a holiday tomorrow or something? The roads are busy. It's weird. I can't believe it's tomorrow. All the roads are busy. All the roads are busy around here, yeah. All the bread and milk is gone. What's happening? It's like, is there a storm coming or something? But no, it's Thanksgiving. When they hear this, yes. They will be. Yeah, they'll be shoveling food into their gullets while they're listening to this because it's 11 o'clock comics. What up? Specifically, episode 770. And I'm Vince B. Gobble, gobble. You are. Gobbling Vince B. I am David A. Price. What is that in the oh. background that I hear? Do you hear special me? holiday guest? So thankful to be here. You're yes. not Jason. <laughs> That's right. It's me, Tony. Please. Oh, yes. The, the, that is so true, though. I, I would argue with anyone else but you saying the fourth chair, but when you say it, it sounds right. I mean, it feels right to me, i got to say. Well, I would come around all the time if I wasn't uh, incredibly underwater with all this comic book stuff. <laughs> that's what we do here. Yep. i got a lot of work to do. Hey, let me do 11 o'clock comics. <laughs> hey, i got, I got a few hours to kill. What's <laughs> <laughs> going on? Yeah. And if you got a few hours to kill, what you should do is shimmy on over to Discount Comic Book Service, dcbservice.com. One more time, DCB service.com and peruse their list of specials it's long there's a lot of stuff uh discounted on uh the site but uh i've cherry picked three of them for you to listen to first of all we have from boom the cursed pirate girl devil's cave number one by jeremy bastion this is the long-awaited return of cursed pirate girl i'm guessing five years um, since the last one, it, whatever the case, it's been a while. And uh, this is a uh, oversized issue. Its cover price is a nine ninety nine. Wow! But um, you get what you pay for. And Jeremy's work is not nothing if not intensely, excruciatingly detailed. But uh, you're not going to pay ten bucks for this. No, siree, Bob's your uncle. You're going to pay four dollars and ninety nine cents. Simple math tells you that's 50% off. In the middle, we got from Bad Kids Press, Frankenrocker and and the Jailbait Punks, number one of four, art by Lucas Kowalczyk. And it's written by Roel Torres. Now, this has a cover price of $4.99. And you're laughing because you know you're not going to pay that. Not anywhere close to that. You're going to get it for $2.49. Remember, this is the last time you're going to hear these things because uh, end of the month, people. So get your doo-doo together and order this stuff. And not least, in third place, it's from Fanagraphics. Uh, specifically, Fanagraphics Underground. I don't know why they're they're tagging this um, let's call it what it is, a periodical with the underground tag, but I'm not Gary. I don't know why they did it. Um, it's Squatron, number 14, the long-awaited return of the best 
EC fanzine ever made. It's even disingenuous to call it a fanzine at this point. But $16.99 cover price, square bound. It has uh, Kurtzman. It has Jack Davis. It has an interview with Gene Colan and Russ Heath. Just order it. Uh, you're not going to pay $16.99, though. You are going to pay $12.74. That's 25% off. But in this case, 25% off the best EC fanzine that ever was is a good enough deal for me. DCBService.com. Just go there. Look. All the specials are there. You can still get in on it under the wire. Like the door's closing really, really quick, and you can run under it like they do in the movies. Go. DCBService.com. Like Paddington losing your hat with the door. Mm -hmm. And he gets it back anyway. I think they call it underground to differentiate it from all the shiny mainstream Fantagraphics books. You know, like the superheroes. Yeah, like Red Room. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I just don't get it. But who cares? It, it, what's in a name anyway? As long as it has the Squatron, that's all I need. If you prick Squatron, does it not bleed? I think it does. Spot <laughs> on, right? <laughs> Since we're in the mood, yeah. I did a little. I did a little digging. I don't. I thought I didn't have anything because I know I don't have any wine. Um, I wish, but I didn't have time. Uh, car was in the shop today. Had to be running around doing stupid things, but whatever. Um, I found a bottle of Dirt Wolf from Victory in the back of the refrigerator. But oh, nice. eh, once that's gone, I have uh, Clear American Peach Water, or as the kids call it, Pesh. So mm-hmm. Peach Water and Victory uh, Dirt Wolf Double IPA. Whose fucking kids call it Pesh? You never saw that video? No. They throw a bunch of food items, and spaghetti is spaghetti, and peach is Pesh. <laughs> Brussels sprouts. It's it's a hysterical video. You've never uh, you got to see it. I don't know the name of it, but it's 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 very very funny. I'm just gonna look up Brussels sprouts. Brussels sprouts spaghetti. I've Pesh. seen people uh, run through the grocery store and phonetically or or draw out the the name of of, of the product, but I, I say it all the time. Whenever I say peaches, I say pesh because it makes the kids laugh. Huh. Yeah, that's what you're all about pesh. So that's what I'm having. Hope you love it. What do you, what, Don't what care. Do you, what, what, what are you drinking, healthy Tony? <laughs> uh, I'm having a Keurig coffee. I also was running around all day, so I would have got something special, but I got to keep my uh, my energy up for the aforementioned uh, nightmare amount of work. Uh, so I'm having Keurig coffee. It's but it's festive holiday Keurig coffee because it's pumpkin vanilla something from a variety pack, and uh, boy is it great! <laughs> boy, howdy, is it great! I might have some some. Fruit flavored water after that's gone too, though. If that's how we're doing tonight, because that shit's refreshing. It certainly is. Yeah, yes, it is. Um, I am. How much is this? This is uh, thirty-three point eight fluid ounces of delicious Poland Spring water. Not fruit flavored. <laughs> nothing bubbly. Nothing fancy tonight. Just plain old tap water. Simple man. The essentials. 
It's pretty yeah. farming. It's what it is. Essential. Yeah. All right. It's odd. What with it being the eve of the holiday, usually we we imbibe, but we the unexpected is a good thing. Now, yeah. all right. The, Sorry, we're not going to get sloppy, everybody. No. Well, <laughs> Dap and I aren't going to get sloppy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens with you. Uh, you had something that you specifically wanted to talk about this this episode, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I have a few things I want to specifically talk about. Do you want to talk about Christmas? Is that we want to do that first? You do. Hey, uh, my my man, uh, you're you're the fourth chair. You do what you want to do. You want me to just run this shit? <laughs> yep, right into a, a pole. Uh, Christmas. I was part of the the EOC Secret Santa this year for the first time. Uh, I, I joined the Slack. I'm a very uh, absentee slacker. Uh, but I have access just in case I need to get in there and talk about comics. That's very exciting for me. Um, but this, I think, is on the Facebook group. I signed up for the EOC Secret Santa, and my Secret Santa was Matthew Guy. Uh, he sent me this package, and I've had it sealed up and sitting on a shelf here at my house. I was going to wait for Christmas, but then when you guys called and said, you want to do Thanksgiving show, I was like, well, let's do this then. Let's ha- let's be festive. Um, so, yeah. We'll get into that. I've I've pre-scored the box. Uh, my secret Santa was Brian Bowles. Uh, he already got uh, his gift. I sent him a, a sketchboard pro because he likes to draw on the iPad. So, Love it. Oh. So he got that. He opened it. I think it came in a in a uh, box that said sketchboard pro on it. So the surprise Sounds was right. probably you know <laughs> less than surprising. But I mean, if you don't expect it, just when that box shows up, it's got to be yeah. All right, let's get it. Let's, let's dig into this, though. I'm excited. Oh, this you didn't open it yet. I mean, I've I've opened it. I just haven't. Oh, I haven't seen what it is? It's a reveal. Yeah, it's it's it's, a oh. re- it's an unboxing video. It's a reveal mm. video. That, he could have sent you a cat. You know, like <laughs> it's in, just dead in there. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Matthew Guy clearly listens to the show. Clearly pays attention to what I talk about on here because he sent me. Shit that I've asked about on this show specifically. Wow. Uh, the Savage Sword of Conan, uh, the black and white volume from Dark Horse. Sweet. Uh, volume one. Uh, and it is beautiful looking. I can't wait to pour over this forever. Vince, you remember when we talked about this? We did. Yes, I remember it like it was yesterday. <laughs> Thank you for that, Matthew. Looks like we got some Usagis in here too. Oh, hell yeah. Several of the Dark Horse Usagi volumes, the smaller ones. Um, I got Demon Mask. Oh, that's good. The Brink of Life and Death. I got Dashio. I feel like that name is more recent. Anyway, I got Shades of Death. The four volumes of that, volumes 9 and 10. And uh, Demon Mask and Shades of Life and Death are not numbered on the spine. But I love that. I love some Usagi. I got Parker's The Hunter. Soft cover. Oh, that's cute. I didn't know they made a soft cover. Yeah, yeah. The the Darwin Cook, obviously. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, they put out these cool soft cover volumes that I do not have. So that's very nice. Love the design on them. And Same size as the hardbacks, do you know? Yeah, same size. Okay. 
and two criminal deluxe editions. Holy shit. Wow, you made out like a bandit. Yeah, I did. Uh, deluxe edition volume one and volume two, the first printings. Uh, if I'm guessing, I bet Matthew Guy got the new ones. And I'm just like, let me give this guy these first volumes. But I'll take it, man. Yeah. He hooked you up. Yeah, man. What a pull. What an incredible haul. Matthew Guy, thank you so much. I love books. These are all books that I love. So I'm excited about that. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you, my friend. And to all of my 11 o'clockers. Merry <laughs> Christmas. And to all a good night. Yes. Good night, everybody. Yeah. Isn't it awesome when someone actually pays attention to you? Yeah. Like you, you've mentioned all of those in the past. Yeah, that's what I like. It's what I'm saying. Yeah. I haven't been able to get my wife to pay attention in 32 years. <laughs> paid attention? Oh, I always pay attention. Are you kidding me? Why would you give a gift to someone that's not tailor made for the person? I'm not going to go out and buy you a, a, a blanket. Right? Or a, a pair of socks? That's bullshit. You give, if you're going to give a gift, you give a gift to the person. Right? I, I get socks. And if you were giving me a blanket, that would be a gift. I, the oh, yeah. The, uh, the blanket I gave you would have the hole cut in it. You know <laughs> how we do, right? Sure. Speaking of holes, I got something. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you read this, Tony. I'm hoping you did. Yes. Maybe. Um, it's from Aftershock. Big, big turnaround from Aftershock with me this year. Um, they were in a, not a timeout position, but they were in a um, sort of, you know, the kid in the back of the classroom that's acting up trying to get your attention. That was Aftershock for me for a while. Like I didn't really um, notice or didn't try to notice what was going on there. But uh, I think it was Beyond the Breach that made me uh, turn around on Aftershock. And I've been getting a lot of their things uh, in uh, single-issue form since. This is no different. Um, It's written by Colin Bunn and Heath Amodio. It's illustrated by Sammy Cavella. Color art by Jason Wordy. It's a little book called The Heathens. And um, when you uh, hear the subtitle for the first issue, The Right Assholes for the Job, well, it just it just uh, made me feel like I was at home because I can be one of those, right? But uh, the setup is a bit like League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, a little bit. Where where League is a grouping or a, uh, yeah, we'll call it a grouping of um, literary characters. The Heathens is a grouping of real-world historical figures. These people actually lived. So that's kind of cool, I thought. And uh, the focus of the first issue is on a uh, woman named Madame Shi. She's also known as the Jade Spider. Uh, also known as Shang Yi Sao. She was a pirate queen who terrorized South China Sea from 1801 to 1810. Real life person. Um, formidable in, um, in her ways. She was uh, trained in the martial arts. 
uh, had um, her ways with weaponry, um, she was not uh, anybody's fool. Uh, but early in the issue, she's she's out on a hunt, right? And she looks like she's way out of her time period. Uh, she's in the present day. And uh, she, she's hunting a target, a murderer, an infamous killer. Uh, so she kind of tags this person with a mus- musket ball. Oh, look what I did. I left my mail open like a big dummy. You can blame Scout Comics for that because I just got a Scout Comics press release. But anyway, uh, she she shoots this uh, character and tags him, weakens him. And then she confronts the target and very, very quickly separates his head from his neck with one swipe of the sword. Do you know who the identity of her prey was, Tony? Who was it? <laughs> the Zodiac Killer. So it's like, what the hell's going on here? And uh, seconds after, they don't show you the Zodiac Killer's face, thankfully, right? Um, but seconds after she kills him, she's got, a, a on her forearm, she's got sigils. And there are six of them. And after killing the Zodiac Killer, oh, a seventh popped up. And so uh, she she kind of exits the scene in a, in a little burst of green flame, and then we see her in a room with Joseph Stalin. <laughs> I'm like, okay, uh, Joseph Stalin's in this book, and, and he seems to be the intermediary between Madame She and an unnamed entity somewhere in the wings. Um, and, and this this entity offers anyone willing to to enter his game chance at redemption. All you got to do is remove ten very very bad people who have somehow found their way into the present. Uh, remove them from existence, and you will be free. You you'll be redeemed. Um, the problem is. The, the current target is much too difficult for the Jade Spider. As deadly as she is, uh, this, this, this uh, entity is way too difficult for her to take down on her own. So what Stalin does is he assembles a team. Um, and they are uh, Sofia Blyevstein. I'm probably butchering that, but she's Russian, so doesn't matter. Um, she's also known as Sonia Goldenhand, female con artist, Russian Robin Hood, lived from 1846 to 1902. Next, you got, uh, you'll guess who this is, um, Henry McCarty, also known as William H. Bonney. Right. It's Billy the Kid. Kid Gutslinger, born in 1859, died at the tender young age of 21. In 1881. And then, Lucky Luciano, the Paisan gangster, seen by many as the father of organized crime, 1897-1962. He died in Naples, where my people live. Um, uh, The flip side of Lucky Luciano, a man with whom Lucky had butted heads many times over the years, Ellsworth Raymond Bumpy Johnson. Uh, he was a black gangster, drug runner, um, 1905-1968. Uh, 
uh, he and Luciano were both enemies and allies. So you could see how that's going to work its way into the story. So what or who could be formidable enough to require the talents of this motley crew? Well, it's not going to spoil it because it's revealed very early in the issue, but their target is the legendary slasher by the name of Jack the Ripper. Dun, dun, dun. I thought the book was phenomenal. Um, it's a throwback, though, because um, Cavella's art is pure Bronze Age. It's, it's very, very well um, composed. The panels are, uh, there's nothing wasted in, in most of them. Lots of uh, background information. There's a spread that um, details the Jade Spider's backstory. And wow, it's great. The, the, it's really rough when you are dealing not only in um, a period piece, but when you have periods like we're talking russia from a very specific period of time which involves fashion from a very specific period of time uh a woman uh who was a pirate queen from you know in in the the 19th century uh it's difficult you need to do your your research you gotta dot your i's and cross your t's uh, even even a a pirate ship is gonna cause some consternation for an illustrator right you're not just going to pull a pirate ship from your head right got to do a little bit of research and i thought uh i thought uh cavella did a great job um it's attractive it's gritty in all the right spots uh it's a pulp fan's dream right jason will probably hate it but i love it I don't know. Well, yeah, he'll hate it on the outside, love it on the inside. Right? Doesn't have Doc Sampson. I think he's going to be into it. Savage. Yeah, well, it's okay. Um, Leonard Sampson. Doesn't have, I, I know it doesn't have Doc Savage. I was talking about Marvel character Doc Sampson, of course. There we it, go. Of course he was. Of course. No, it, it's, it's swashbuckling and, and gritty and violent. But uh, bun, Colin Bunn and um, Amodio do a great job. Dialogue's crisp. It, it, it kept me it kept me interested. Um, I I admit initially I had to go back and and re rescan the first couple pages because I didn't really know I, I didn't get the idea that it was the real Zodiac killer in the beginning. Okay, because yeah, it, it looked like like a costume party. Like you know what I mean. This this beautiful Asian woman left a party dressed as this pirate queen and then but but once she's in the room with joseph stalin it's unmistakable that it's stalin you know and i thought oh, okay I, I think i need to go. i i did I, I went back and i looked at it again and and he's um you know how many people i killed and he's very proud of the fact that he's killed people so it's a game but it's a game featuring experienced killers so it, i'm in so deep it's it's disgusting it's um uh, one of them tailor-made books for me and i'm glad i took the plunge i gotta say i will pay the extra dollar for the cardstock cover because um going through my box thank you dcbs going through my box there's nothing that irritates me more than self-cover uh, we've been in we've been over this before 
But when when I'm going through the stack and I'm taking out a nice cardstock cover, whether it's from Aftershock or Scout, you know, or um, Vault, which is not cardstock, but it's a little bit heavier than self-cover. Um, I said, wow, look at the presentation on this. This is amazing. It feels like I got value for my dollar. And then, no offense, you pull up an, an image book and it just feels light and flimsy. I'm not saying, you know, that image images books are lacking in any way but to me i wish that it had a, a thicker more durable cover because there were some um incidents with books that had self covers and if you have thicker more durable covers you don't have incidents like that with them is what i'm saying i would pay an extra buck to get a nice hard cover harder okay. cover I have good news for you. Uh, unrelated, what related, but uh, new Stray Dogs, thicker cover, and it costs an extra buck. So everything you're looking for. Perfect. Yeah. But you know what? It's it's worth the extra dollar to me. There's it is. Three, there's like three grades of covers in Image. There's self-cover. I don't think it's even self-cover. It's slightly heavier. But then there's the middle one, which is like your firepower. Okay. And then there's the heavy one, which is like your Walking Dead color reprints, the first arc of crossover, like that, where it's like cardstock. Um, we went with the Firepower one, where it's a much heavier paper. Nice. But it doesn't. It does not like a cardstock. I'm happy for you. Thank you. Sorry to interrupt. Please go on. Ah, no, no, don't. don't. By the way, Jason Wardy for me is the star of the show because those colors are beautiful. No, they're those kicking. Shirts. They really are. I got it right here. I should have been looking at it while I was. Well, I was reading, but I, w I wasn't. Um, I think it's hard to captivate a reader with talking heads. Um, there's a good portion of this book is kind of talking heads. Like they're sitting around a long uh, banquet uh, or like a library table in this. And um, Stalin's, you know, reading them the, the, the riot act. And it's basically talking heads. But it's not uninspired. It's not lackluster at all to me. It's not boring. It, it certainly kept my interest. That's hard to do. But then the next page, boom, big flash of green. Our heathens, we'll call them that, uh, they're transported to the, the real world. And wow, when you have all of these uh, time period-specific characters mixing uh, with, like they're walking Hollywood Boulevard. Like, that's cool to me. I like to see that. Um, I wasn't a fan of sliders. I don't know why. But I, I'm guessing it was kind of the same uh, idea. And I don't, Doctor Who aside, I don't usually like time travel stories. But when you get a bunch of characters that are pretty badass, they're killers, right? Uh, gangsters and murderers and con artists. And they, it takes a very, very bad person to capture and kill a despicable one and that's what we have in the the guise of uh jack the ripper so wonderful start i don't expect this to be any longer than maybe 12 issues right i don't know if it's a miniseries or if it's an ongoing i don't really care because i'm going to buy them all but um i thought it was extremely enjoyable action-packed intriguing uh i'm there i'm there for all of it i loved it I um 
I, I I enjoyed it a lot. I do like Cullen, and and uh, like to see where uh, where he's going, where he goes with his ideas. Um, Sammy's art was great. Um, colors are like you guys have said are strong. Um, no, I I didn't know what to expect. I I uh, I gave it a shot. I'm glad I did. It was um, it was weird. I mean, after seeing Billy the Kid portrayed over the years in various things, he, he, um, I'm not gonna say he sounded off, but he was, he, he, for me, he was because he is the, the youngest one in the group. He was the one that just seemed the most out of place, but it, it's it, as it, uh, as it probably should be, you know, it, it's, um, he's again, he is younger than everybody else in the room. So, uh, Everybody's got different experiences, and um, it is—it's—it's it's a hell of a concept. The the, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, uh, just based on what I know about the series, and 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 of course that awesome movie. Uh, the uh, the the comparison was was apt. Um, it's not like Sliders because Sliders just went to different dimensions. They weren't time traveling. Oh, they weren't. No. See, there you um, go. Yeah, so I mean that, that that could be one thing if if you don't like sliders because you don't like time travel and there, there there you go. But it's um they were just it was it's it was quantum leap was more like time okay. travel because he was just going through different eras and and fixing problems. But but no, sliders was uh, dimension hopping. But um, no, this was neat. Like I said I I I, um, I saw it was on your list, so I decided to to give it a shot. I'm glad I did. I wonder if this artist, uh, Sammy Cavella, lives in L.A. or just has the greatest reference. I mean, I guess you could probably just Google map stuff. But as somebody who does live in L.A., when they show up outside the Chinese theater and then walk down the street, yep. uh, like where they're going is all correct. Like yeah, The Roosevelt Hotel back there. Roosevelt Hotel. And then they this like bridge that goes over top, that's there. And then... This church they go to is actually around the corner from Hollywood and Highland, which is where the, the Chinese is. Uh, and that church is where they shot the Enchantment Under the Sea dance from Back to the Future. It's a little, a little Hollywood <laughs> so, scenes for you. And what, wow. what, what I, well, first of all, no, I don't believe. I, maybe, maybe he moved, but according to the uh, the credits in the back of the book, uh, it does say. Sammy is from Finland. That could just be where he's born, or that could be where he was born and still resides. But um, doesn't say anything about his his present whereabouts. So maybe you're right. Maybe he is in LA now. I also appreciate the fact that the backgrounds, like like the Roosevelt Hotel, the sign is hand drawn. It's yeah. not you know. There's no there's there's there isn't. It's there's no computer sketch up and it's it's. It's a drawn-looking book, which which I like, and I think it's fitting for this particular story, for these, especially for these characters. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. You just know somebody's going to pull the rug out of uh, out from under Madame Chic because she's going to get the ten. Oh yeah, she's the closest. And yeah. and and something's going to happen, and and oh, you know, there was a one one little thing that you overlooked, and she's going to be like, okay, and it's. The shit's gonna hit the fan. I, I'm 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 looking forward to it because when you think about it, she has seven, so twelve issues, she can kill three more people, and tidy it all up in a nice little bow. 
I don't know, but uh, t- 10, 12, 24, whatever it is, who cares? Heathens is good, and um, it, 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 it leapt to my pull list, and it's not going anywhere. So yay, Cullen. Nice job. I, I would love to bring Cullen up all the time, uh, but we just did with Lucky Devil. Right, yeah. so he's he's. Yeah, I was here for that. He's going. He's batting a thousand this year. Just don't worry about Colin. He puts out enough books. You don't have to encourage him. Oh any. yeah, yeah. No, he's, he's a machine that runs on making books. Yeah, he and he's good too, and uh, Heath Emodio uh, writers. So yeah, great job. Boom. I'm done with this. Moving on. Aftershock. No yep. longer an afterthought. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> That's. <laughs> I've been holding on to that. Speaking of the right assholes for the job. <laughs> <laughs> what else do we have? What you got, Tony? Um, well, I went and bought comics today, and I was going to read the Donny Cates Hulk, the Donny Cates and... Uh, oh, yeah, first issue, yeah. Um, man. Uh, Invincible. Otley. Yeah, Otley. Ryan Otley. My brother's favorite comic book artist, Ryan Otley. Um, wow, does that sting? A little bit. I mean, he's better than me. <laughs> well, me uh, it there, looks beautiful. I there is no better in art. <laughs> but I did uh, I did read a Donny Cates book very recently, and it's Crossover, uh, number eight. Are you guys up on Crossover at all? No. I'm not current, no. Do tell them. Sure right. I won't spoil anything, but um, they're like... I read a, a few Donny Cates books, and I think my favorite is, speaking of Aftershock, uh, is Baby Teeth. That's the one I like the most, And and but I read that one in trade, so I, I haven't been reading it uh, monthly. But this crossover, I think, is my second favorite Donny Cates, and it's sort of like tailor-made for me, and I, I would guess also tailor-made for people that listen to this podcast, because it's just sort of like uh, freewheeling comic book fun you know like if you read comics and you know about comics especially a lot of times when they do stuff like this it's like deeper uh like they'll cross over into older stuff uh and this is almost you know like comics from this from this era or or, you know the last 10 years or so and and that's fun the the donny cates characters that it crosses over with your mileage may vary but um, but in this newest issue, it crosses over with Powers, which is one of my all-time favorite comics. Um, and uh, this is just a great use of it. And there's like some really great sort of like Powers jokes or like, you know, for, for people who read Powers. Um, I'm talking about uh, Crossover 9, by the way. I'm looking at 8. But the one that's like the real Powers, the issue is 9. Uh, and 7 is the Chip Zdarsky one, which nobody has to tell you to read because all you've heard about is how great it was. But uh, it was really good. Phil Hester and, and Chip Zdarsky and Andy Parks uh, got down on that issue. Um, but so issue nine, Walker and Pilgrim show up. The pr- the premise of crossover is that there's been a, a basically a crossover, and it's sort of like a um, a natural disaster that's happened in this world where um, a comic book, every comic book universe is sort of spilled out into Denver, and to contain it all, they put a a dome up around Denver that nobody can think can get in or out of. It's like a magical dome. Um, and, but some people have found a way to escape and they're on the run outside. And so the, the people from this earth are trying to track them down and get it, get everything contained and figure out what's going on. And then there's also now 
some people from other comic book worlds trying to track people down. So some of those, because what Detective Walker and Pilgrim do in Powers is investigate Powers-related homicides. Uh, They're out here chasing down comic book characters in the quote-unquote real world. Um, And it's just super fun. Like, if you like Powers, this is sort of like... uh, It's the first time Powers has not been written by Bendis or drawn by Oming, which is interesting. Um, but you can tell that it's just like a love letter to that whole book because the it sounds exactly like it, it reads exactly like it, and uh, because the character that they're interviewing this time is a comic book nerd who has read Powers, like they sit her down in the interrogation room and they're getting ready to do the Powers thing that we've seen a million times, and she goes, "Look, we're not going to do the Powers thing," and they go, "What are you talking about?" Because they don't know what the, <laughs> the Powers thing is, and she's like, "You know what the Powers thing is." And then you open the page and it's a two-page spread. You turn the page to a two-page spread and there's just a million word balloons with those long powers, Brian Bendis lettering tails that lead back between all the bubbles and it looks exactly like powers. Uh, and they do the powers thing. And it was just super great. Um, I don't remember if I talked about it on here, but I, when the powers, uh, the last volume came out uh, and it came out as a graphic novel, I read it. And it was last year, and it was sort of like at the tail end. Not, I mean, not that it's over, but like sort of we had been through the summer of George Floyd and p- policing. Like everybody was thinking about policing in a different way. And it struck me odd reading that book to be rooting for cops who like Dina Pilgrim's special power is that she's a abusive cop, you know, <laughs> like. She brings people in to question them, and if she doesn't hear what she wants to hear, she just beats people up. And it's like, you know, 10 years ago when the book was coming out, you read that, and you're like, fucking A, Dina Pilgrim, what fun. And now you read it, and you're just like, yeesh, this is, like, what a strange, like, you know, like a paradigm shift happened, and then you're looking at the thing you were always looking at, and it's like, that's fucked. Yep. Uh, So it was interesting to see this now coming from a different writer who also is writing this post that and also had read that stuff when it was coming out and sort of see what their take is on it. And their take on it is sort of, these are the characters who exist in a comic book world where they didn't have the paradigm shift, you know, like they come from comic books. Um, And so they can just sort of be powers, which is sort of, you know, cheating, but (laughs) like, it's also like a way to get, to, to be able to enjoy that powers thing again without sort of all the baggage of of the of cops who beat people up for fun, <laughs> you know, which which is not as much fun in powers anymore. Um, but it's like I said, like if you like powers, it's it's new powers and it's fun and and like all of crossovers sort of been like that where it's just like oh shit, it's a little bit of this and the characters that you're following and I haven't talked about them at all because I was just so psyched to see new powers. But um, Ellipsis and and the rest of the characters that you're following uh, are like sort of like these crackling new characters, you know, like they have like these great uh, each of them has a has a personality that you want to check in with and follow along and you sort of hope that they get where they where they want to go. And uh, we find something out about Ellipsis at the end of uh, the first volume that now is starting to. Like we're we're getting deeper into that now, and there's a lot of questions. So it's just sort of like 
fun, comic nerdy, um, you know, it's just like a fun comic nerdy book to like, I, I like reading it monthly cause it's just sort of like a nice, uh, not too heavy. Like, it's just like, Oh, that's fun. Another issue of crossover. Sweet. And, and what I kind of dig about it, um, the, this is going to sound hypocritical coming from somebody who uh, sold their comic book property to Hollywood. But like this book is unsellable, you know, like, unless you're you have the greatest lawyers in the history of entertainment you know like there's not a movie here it's strictly a comic book like it's made to be a comic book and it's for comic book people and and i you know like you can sort of sense that that sort of like wink and a nod inside baseball fun that that people that that have been reading comics for years can sort of uh have fun with a book like this i hope that any of this has made sense it it does because uh, uh, yeah. I'm guessing the title of the series is literal, right? This is it's a cross pollination between different comic book universes. Well, so the like the the incident that starts the whole thing off is there's is like I said, it's like a, a, a natural occurring event. Like this disaster happens, and the disaster is there's a crossover, right? Like a crossover, like sort of like that Marvel book, 1985 like uh superheroes just crash into the real world and it's like this you know worldwide panic and disaster and, p- and people start like you know burning down comic book stores and like and and trying to find you know like if you're a nerd like we are and you know about you know like what the savage dragon's powers are or whatever like you're all of a sudden you're somebody that people in, in power would want to talk to because you have information like the the clerk at the comic book store is now like an expert that that important people would want to talk to you because they need to know what's going on with these, you know, uh, you know, spawns on the loose. We haven't seen spawn yet, but you know, for instance, and, and you, we would need to talk to Vince because he's read every page of spawn except for some of the Krasansky ones. And, and so he knows, (laughs) he knows what this guy's deal is and where he might be if we're looking for him. Uh, You only really have to read 10 of them (laughs) because it's the same stuff over and over and over, but whatever. But yeah, so then, like, with that being the premise, and then, so then you have people from the comic book world who you can tell they're from the comic book world because they have the dot pattern. Right. And then people from the real world are colored just like people from the real world. And so it's about them. The the people we follow is a little girl from the comic book world and this lady, Ellipsis, who, not to spoil anything, but we think she's from the real world at the start of the thing. And then this boy whose dad is basically Fred Phelps, but for comic books. Like, his dad's, like, this crazy pastor that's, like, you know... this looks is like John Goodman. Yeah, yeah, he looks like John Goodman, and he's, like, God is punishing us with these superheroes, and he's, and he's like, killing superheroes, and, like, he's, he's in an all-out war against this thing. And his son is sort of, like, turned from him, and now he's on the run with these evil superhero lovers. So it's it's fun. Like like I said, it's just sort of like popcorn comics. And if you're a hardcore comics fan, there's all sorts of little. I mean, you don't need to be that hardcore. If you've been reading comics for you know ten years, there's all sorts of fun little uh, Easter eggs all over the place. Because the crossover is what happens in the comic at the beginning, but then because they have this world that's open, we just assume that like all comics can cross into it. You know, so we haven't seen like we've seen sort of like in the background a guy that'll look like wolverine or superman or whatever but mostly it's like anybody that's creator or own comic can just pop up in here 
um, it all it takes is you know Danny Donny Cates or Jeff Shaw sending an email to somebody and saying like, is "Wow, it you know what? We we have a little bit of conceptual continuity in the works. Love it. It'll happen, and you'll know it when you hear it. But it's amazing how stuff works like that. You know, uh, I see mean, me- kind of it's kind of conceptual continuity with the first book we talked about because it's like a team put together from people from different worlds or different times right who have mission you know like it's a it's a similar vibe to the to the book you were talking about yeah and cool well we got minestrone tonight because it's going to be another one coming up neat 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 what else you know i have to be totally honest tony uh i i think it sounds really fun in concept but but knowing that powers is the thing I'm working to <laughs> does does not fill me with any kind of desire to to, to well, read it. In the first arc, it's Madman. Okay, then. All right. Yeah, like like it's not just like they haven't had anybody. Like there've been all kinds of superheroes in there, and like I said, some of them are the Donny Cates characters from like his Dark Horse books and other earlier books. But it's just like uh, like the sword from um, from God Country's in it. Like it's just anything from comics can show up in there. All right, good. I'm so, yeah. I'm back in. Yeah. When they do a a, a hardcover of the first twelve, I'll I'll so, scoop it. Love it. Yep. <sighs> what do we got? Uh, speaking of uh, Brian Bowles, um. He has an Etsy shop, and it is uh, etsy.com slash shop slash kayak comics, K-A-Y-A-K-C-O-M-I-C-S. And um, I picked up two of his, uh, two of his offerings. Um, one was a, uh, a mini-comic. And it's uh, it's the star of the book is um, is Moon Knight, but it's Moon Knight, and Eddie's uh, he's basically um, like a kaiju hunting Godzilla. So he's 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 in the whole uh, Shogun Warriors looking armor, and uh, and and Godzilla gets taken down to the sea, and the hand shows up, and there's a couple of cool panels where Brian draws. Uh, Moon Knight flexing some nunchucks, and it's just it, it's just really well done. So I just I I smirked and smiled my way through through the book, even though you know, it's Moon Knight centric. It was still it still looks great, but 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 the star is um is the first issue of this book called the title of the book is Goat. I'm going to say it's Goat, even though there's an umlaut over the O. But everybody in the book that comes across this character. They all call, they refer to him as Goat. And um, he replies with a different way to say it. But the editor's notes are letting you know that they have no idea how umlauts work. So every time he's correcting them, the 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 uh, the emphasis is on a different part of his name. So it's just, it's it's weird. It's it's funny, but, but the, um, the book says it's not for kids, and it isn't. Um, there's, uh, there's some language involved here. There's some slashing and hacking and goat's basically a barbarian. And, um, and, and this land is filled with, um, with 
with cats and dogs and bears and and so it's 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 anthropomorphic but um goat is summoned to um to fetch a uh a gem a stone and uh, so he goes to the castle to uh to get it to, to to steal it and he gets captured and he's chained up for like four years um he eventually gets free it's 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 not a it's a short book but uh a lot of there's a few pages with some nine panel grids i mean Brian, if you're familiar with with Hellbillies, if you're if you're familiar, if you are familiar with any of the work Brian used to do for the Around Comics episodes, if you know Brian's work, you know what you can expect here. It's um, it's funny, it's clever, it's violent. Um, I hope we get more, but it was um, it was just something that uh, I was just perusing Etsy and and saw Brian's name and 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 figured. I got to check this out because it looks pretty cool and I'm glad I did. And it is cool. It, it's, it's, um, I just, I'm a fan of Brian's art period. Um, but this first issue was, um, was a lot of fun and I'm, and, and it, it's kind of, it's a done in one story, but I do hope, um, we get a second issue because, uh, there's a little bit of a, there's a coming attractions or there's a more to come page on the back cover, uh, running down, things to look forward to um and where it says goat issue two there's a little bit of a question mark so i hope we can kind of turn that into an exclamation point but uh yeah I, I i thought this was i thought this was a lot of fun and he included um a couple of uh a couple of sketch cards uh one of which is falcon and it's a pretty badass falcon in his old uh his old outfit but yeah i just um since uh figured it was a it's been a minute since uh, Tony brought up Brian earlier in the episode, but I wanted to at least make sure that uh, since we were on the subject of Mr. Bowles, that uh, that I let everybody know that they should check out Goat or Giat or Giat or whatever the hell you want to pronounce it as as you read the rest of the book, um, as he corrects the other characters in it. But yeah, that was. Um, that was my pleasant surprise of uh, of the week. Nice. Right on, Brian Bowles. Two for two. Names yeah. getting around there, yeah. It was a big night for Brian Bowles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Here's where the oh, shout out to um, I'm sorry uh, no. shout out to um, uh, uh, Mr. Whitey for um, the there, there's this trade that I'm going to probably read once I'm done or I'm going to start once I'm done with uh, Transmet but um, Gorgo attacks uh, arrived from um, from Fantico and um, and the very uh, generous Jim Whiting sent it. Um, What's weird though is the Gorgo Attacks contains the Charlton Gorgo comics of Joe Sinat, Joe Gill, and Vince Coletta. And you can tell as you get through the book, as, you, as I thumb through the um, the back of it, uh, you can definitely see when um, when old Vince starts to show up in air quotes to some work 
on the pages. But uh, but I wanted to at least thank Jim for uh, sending that. Same. I got him too. Yeah. Nice. All right. Here's where the conceptual continuity comes in because uh, Fanagraphics had a sale last week, uh, a weird sale because they um, uh, I don't know the exact percentage but they did a goofy 25% off sale and then they did a 40% off sale like literally the next day or the day after yeah yeah and so I ordered from both sales because I'm a sucker and um uh I was looking through the list of books for sale and I saw this and I didn't have it and I had all of the other books by this artist from Fantagraphics. So I said, what the hell? I'll order it. And I did. And it's uh, Alberto Breccia's Dracula. Ooh. Yeah, it's great. But um, I want to just preface what I'm about to say with uh, a couple things. If you are a, as diehard a YouTube fan as myself, there's a couple of videos of uh, Breccia. Um, I think one of them is called drawing number one and drawing number two, where um, one of the things Breccia prided himself on was he didn't believe in having a style. So if you if you look at Mort Cinder, and then you compare it to Paramus, and then you compare both of those to Dracula, they don't look like they were made by the same guy. He he prided himself on tailoring the drawing style to fit the project. Now, um, Mort Cinder is very very um, chiaroscuro. It's it's there's a lot of um, the traditional depiction of um, the human form. Uh, where but, but the crazy thing about it is, and this is what I, why I brought up YouTube, there's a, 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 a video of Breccia drawing for Mort Cinder, and he's using a razor blade, a straight-edge razor blade, not in a holder or um, a protective, you know, sliding piece of plastic. He's just holding a, a razor blade. And he, he gets a brush and he paints the, the blade end of the razor with ink. And then he knocks, he pushes it down on the illustration board and he's twisting it and turning it and pointing it and dragging it. And the drawing is fucking incredible. And he's using a razor blade, Tony. You need to see this video. It's only like two minutes long. Um, and he's going, you know, it, it, it's obviously being translated because, uh, non-English speaking. And he's, he said, I, I love to use the razor blade because you can, you can get more emotion out of the line easier than if you, but he, at the end of the drawing, he, he was chopping and pulling and twisting and getting all the lines down. And at the end of the drawing, he went in after it with a brush, not much, just to sign his name with the brush and a little bit of, you know, lay a little bit of darks in here and there. But for the most part, the drawing was done with a razor blade, right? Wow. That That's Mort Cinder. And for Paramus, he used a series of monoprints for his background, uh, panel backgrounds. 
And it's a gorgeous book, but it, again, if you put both of them, and I have, side by side, you wouldn't think that the artist of, of Mort Cinder is the same artist of Paramus. Well, Dracula is even more far afield because in uh, for Dracula, it's full color and it's all painted and it's gorgeous. And um, he he doesn't subscribe to the same methodologies he used on either of those landmark books like this doesn't again it it, it looks kind of like uh, i bring these up all the time and uh that's on me but in the in the 70s nestle's quick had monster packets um very very uh expressionistic drawing the uh proportions the anatomy of the characters were very exaggerated puffy lips um big mouths goofy teeth that's what this looks like to me but uh by way of uh pink floyd's the wall uh gerald uh what's his last name uh scar scarfe right the 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 uh the cartoons we saw in the wall for that were used for the wall that by way of Nestle's Quick circa 1970 if that makes any sense but so so what Incredibly is relatable references as always thank you so what is uh Alberto Breccia's Dracula it's not <laughs> it's not a uh rote depiction of of uh, Bram Stoker's novel no it, in fact uh, and it's Dracula. It's not a, a look-alike or a uh, or an underling with delusions of grandeur. This is Dracula, and that's the whole point because he is the least offensive thing in this book. It it was um, made uh, when the uh, military dictatorship of Argentina was on the way out. Uh, even even though it was their uh, power was waning, Argentina was not a great place to live when when this was made. And um, Breccia actually received death threats because his cartooning had a way of 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 stirring the people and inspiring them. And, and uh, uh, he would be frequently interviewed. Like uh, I don't know what they could have possibly wanted to know from a man who draws you know gorgeous pictures but there's a there's always an undercurrent of revolution in his books right if you, especially paramus i mean come on if you've read that but in this is there any more despicable creature of the night than a vampire not so much when you have a government that makes the vampire look like a girl scout by comparison, and that—that's the intent. There, there's one story where um, Dracula is walking. It's he's just walking through the town, right? And it's he sees starving people and um, drug users and drug abuse. And the military sees people fighting amongst themselves, doesn't do anything. There's a, a, a panel where Dracula literally has blood on his hands because of the military 
com- uh, clamping down on the the population and Dracula Dracula just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time but he's immortal so it doesn't really matter to him but he's he's just and he's he sees all this violence and Dracula flees like he's a vampire there's there's um illegal uh and immoral uh operations going on with prisoners like one guy is strapped to a table and they're they have a uh what looks like a cattle prod uh touching the tip of his dick and he's screaming blood uh, it's not for children by the way uh, <laughs> uh and the military enters the picture and then you have um people that are abused and people that are being abused and people that abuse themselves so there's there's drug users and there's um sex workers of all different kinds and it's just people abusing things and then there's a food line where the, it looks like the members of the clergy are are doling out soup and there's a blasted out building behind them with a sign on it says uh you know things go better with coca-cola and and dracula's looking around he's like what in the fuck is going on and he 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 seeks refuge in of all places and this is the irony of the story he seeks refuge in a church and the last panel is him holding a crucifix in the presence of jesus on the wall on the crucifix and dracula's like yeah, you're you're the enemy, but this is way better than what's going on out there. And it's just it's it's a little sardonic look at at how bad governments can get when you got a vampire <laughs> that, you know, basically a rat with fangs who who doesn't want anything to do with the shit you guys got going on. And like some of it's lighthearted, and this is where the the crossover comes in. Um, Dracula sees a beautiful young lady at uh, Carnival and he follows the beautiful young lady and something notices Dracula following the beautiful young lady and that something is Superman yep Superman Um, there's no mistaking that it's Superman big red, big blue uh, but in the original he wears the shield but in the Fanagraphics version, they have obscured the shield. Probably not to piss DC Comics off. But it's it's Superman. And the, the funny part of the story is that Superman intervenes and fights Dracula. Meanwhile, that woman that Dracula was attracted to turns out to be a vampire and puts the bite on Superman. Get it? Right? Um, but uh, this book is phenomenal. It's it's amazing. Blonde lady from Action Comics Annual number one. <laughs> no, no, it is not. Um, it's it's people being bad to them. There, there's one story in which Dracula meets um, Edgar Allan Poe, and Edgar Allan Poe. I mean, the Ravens in it too. But Edgar Allan Poe has himself so pickled. That Dracula puts the bite on Edgar Allan Poe and gets drunk because Poe's blood is just so infused with alcohol that Dracula got drunk just merely from from biting him. But the entire book is in pantomime. There's not a single word in this book. 
So uh, you would think that well, it's going to be a fast read. I'm not going to pay 20 bucks for that. Well, joke's on you, because even though it's it's uh, wordless, the images will explode your brain with narrative, because uh, there's a lot going on here. I mean, Breccia infuses these panels with a lot of visual information. <laughs> um, you even get to see the, the kindler, gentler side of Dracula. I won't say how, just read it. But um, it's amazing stuff. It's not a long book. The um, These stories were originally serialized. So uh, it's 65 pages of um, Dracula stories with chapter breaks. And so I would say like maybe 62, 60. Um, and then you get a really healthy sketchbook to finish page comparison. You get to see uh, Breccia's pencils. And in every respect, the final pages are better than the penciled pages. I mean, there's... There's not a one that compares favorably to his final panels, which is odd, right? Because, you know, you see people's sketchbook work, uh, and there, inevitably there'd be some panel that's like, oh, man, why didn't you use that? That's so much better. Nah, Breccia's uh, final panels are just outstandingly gorgeous, uh, and the, the pencils are okay. They're all right. But uh, if you're looking for some meaty art to sink your teeth into pun very much intended uh i wholeheartedly recommend alberto breccia's dracula it's a oversized hardcover and you know what my favorite 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 part of this book is the front cover is a depiction of dracula from i believe it's the first story i think it is from the first story it is Right? Dracula is about to bear down on the woman he was tailing, and the, the background was green in the panel. It was a darkish Kelly green. Um, and Fanographics, when they were doing the cover, they zoomed in, uh, they, they, uh, and they also combined part of uh, another story within the confines of Dracula's cape. But the green from the background in the previous panel, there's a sliver. It's it's not even a sixteenth of an inch thick. It's probably less than it's probably a thirty second of an inch thick. Um the green part of the green managed to sink uh, seep through. They didn't maybe they didn't lasso it or they didn't marquee all whatever the case some of the green came through and it's my favorite thing about the book it's right there on the front cover it bounces with that purple and the green in, in dracula's face and the the orangish red of his lips like that little strip of green i know it was an accident it was not intended to be there i don't care that's my i love it i just think that green makes the entire cover and you could barely see it you got to get you got to get right up on top of it to see it but that's how closely I looked at this book because he is a friggin' master. He's he's an absolute master. And this is yet another uh, reason why. There's even a BJ in it, but it's in the background. You got to look for it. It's there. 
Um, yeah. Well, you got me again. Oh, Tony, you that I went and bought it. How much did you pay for it on sale? Well, it's cover price nineteen ninety nine for an oversized hardcover. I think I paid thirteen. I missed the sale. Nineteen ninety nine sounds like a steal for for what you're talking about. Oh, it's definitely that look great. Yeah, it's definitely a steal. But um, but the problem is you're gonna consume this and you're gonna be like, ah, I gotta get some more brecci in my life, and then you're gonna order Paramus, which is a <laughs> monster volume. It is at least two and a half, three inches thick. It's it's super big. Um, and then you're going to love that, and then you're going to buy Mort Cinder, and you're going to be like, damn you, Vince, you cost me 100 bucks." I got Mort Cinder. But the, it is wild how different this is. It sort of reminds me of uh, Suspiria, like how that's not like any other Argento yes. yes. movie, right? Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Yeah. But just crazy how he could switch. And it, when, when you watch the video of him just like totally denouncing style, it's like, okay – easy for you to say yeah. that you've right that you've managed to enter you know the chameleon state not once but twice and then a third time like okay we get it but there there he goes i don't understand the value in spending an entire lifetime developing a style and then you die right well he's got a point he, he really does have a point and he said, well, maybe, you know, this book or this story doesn't fit well with your current style. What do you do? Do you not do the project? No. You, you, you switch it up and try something different. Well, that doesn't work for everyone, right? That's called uncharted territory. And that makes um, artistic types very, very nervous. Can speak to that. I'm, I'm about to uh, embark on a completely different style for a book that is approved at a place and coming out and uh we're just it's it's like uh i feel like i've said it before but it's like that indiana jones in part three when he just steps out over that cliff and just he knows the bridge is going to be there when he lands on it like <laughs> i'm just like i think i can do this <laughs> yeah it, it, you don't have a net and it's but it's dangerous and scary and and uncomfortable but that and but that's the place. Oddly enough, that's the place you want to be in creation, right? The dangerous and the unpredictable and the and the scary. Because if you just keep doing stuff the way you've always done it, you, you know you'll mature as an artist. But will you really grow doing the same style over and over and over and over? Yeah. I don't know. You call it what you will. But I I like uh, I I very much respect Breccia's, um approach. To making uh, comics, and he he did comics for like fifty plus years, um, and then died. Uh, I don't think he was very uh, wealthy from his efforts, but uh, and that was one of the things he was talking about in the videos was that yeah, when you change your style up, the people that recognized you from the past project aren't going to recognize you from this current project, and the editors that saw that past project aren't gonna follow you they're not gonna know that this is you unless they see the name and it's just it's it, it, the uncertainty of it all of just mixing up your style with every project he's like yeah 
I have to be true to me. I have to do what I want. And then if it sells, it'll sell. If it doesn't sell, well, you know, I got, I have to be me. And it's just, it's, it's very inspiring. Hmm? Uh, some would say, go ahead and switch your style up. And if they hate, then let them hate. Watch the money pile up. You know right, saying? right, right. Sorry to Ari Melber the joint, but. Oh, that's it. fine. <laughs> but, but I mean, I, I totally understand it. Um, and I, I think his Breccia's approach is the one I'd be like, yeah, of course, take that. But, you know, when you're paying bills and, and trying to keep, you know, not only your, your, uh, career on track, but your house and your, your spawns, um, I get it. I, it's not a, an approach for everyone, but God damn it, do I respect the shit out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Albert- oh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm on pass number four because there's, there's nuggets that bubble to the surface with each successive uh, experience because you're not really reading. There, there's a little bit of annotations uh, here and there translating signage mostly, um, but for the most part, there's zero dialogue in it. Great. Yeah. What else do we have? You have a a book coming out soon? Let's yeah, this is a good time to talk about that. To let you guys in behind the scenes a little bit. My hands have been very dry for, for months now. Nice. Okay. We were doing this show and like it's something where I can't stay in lotion all the time because I'm always drawing or using my Cintiq or something, so I don't want to smear everything up. But I was like, I I'm gonna be with these guys for a couple hours. And I had bought these uh, moisturizing repair, like uh, gloves that have balm inside of them. Mm-hmm. So I've got books that aren't mine that I want to talk about, but I'm right now wearing these moisturizing gloves, so I can't touch anything. I'm just, I'm, I'm, it's like I'm at the uh, the manicurist, and I just have my hands. We're glad we're here for your self care. <laughs> yeah, I was I was a little bit confused as to where that was going, but. Okay. Well, here's where it's going. Is like I can't touch the the next comic I was going to talk about, but I can talk about my own comic, which I don't need to look at because I know it by heart. Uh, and and we can get into that and talk about it a little bit because Stray Dogs uh, is coming back and it FOCs on Monday, the Monday after uh, Thanksgiving, when you guys are listening to this. Um, and it's a two issue thing. We talked about it on here before, um, but it's it's at the printer now or it's at least that image on its way to the printer. Um, and so uh, I sent copies to the boys here so we can talk about it a little more. But what it is, if you read Stray Dogs, uh, it's a story about a serial killer who kidnaps his victims' dogs and takes them as trophies. Um, and the dogs don't have great memories, so they just think they live in a house with a guy that treats them nice and feeds them. And, uh, and a new dog shows up, and she says that's not what's happening. What's happening is your master killed my lady and brought me here. And it's about her having to convince all these dogs that that's what's going on. And how, what do they do in the situation? If they decide to believe her, some of them believe her, some of her don't. So that was the story of stray dogs available now in trade paperback at all finer comic book stores. <laughs> <laughs> but in the story, uh, a lot of the people that read the trade say like, wow, I read that really fast. And we wrote it to be really fast. Like it's like a, hook you in, can't put it down type of story, hopefully. And so you read it really fast. But part of that is we have like 11 dogs that live in this house 
and some of them, you know, only get to say two or three things over the course of the whole series. So when we originally pitched the book to Image, we said, like, if this works out, like, if people read this book and like it, we have, we would like to do, like, a special follow-up where we can dig a little bit deeper into all these other dogs and give, like, each one of them their own story. So that's what this book is, Stray Dogs, Dog Days. It's a two-issue thing. Number one comes out uh, at the end of December, and number two comes out at the end of January. And then that's, like, the last Stray Dogs we're ever going to do unless we get broke. Uh <laughs> <laughs> And, and I hope that's the title of the book. We're back. We're broke. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that, that's that's what uh, that's what we're gonna talk about now. You guys, uh, Vince, you didn't read it. Read it, David. Did you read it? I did. Do you want to talk about it? Talk to me. I I I, I love. I mean, it's, it's an anthology, which you know, I'm 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 Mark for. Um, I I seriously appreciate the glimpse in these and and it's not all like uh there there there's some stories like with with killer where it's just i i i like killer's day in the life where you know oh and and a cuddle monster shows up and it's just and it's 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 a very wholesome uh it's a very non-threatening story and but but you do get a couple of stories in, in in this first issue where you do come across the master whether um and, and whether he's holding the door for someone and and he's just unbeknownst to you or whether it's uh it's it's the events right before the dog shows up at its new home um so i definitely i i i just i like how they're not all it, it's it's not formulaic in the sense where it's all just we're just going to show happy moments from from these dogs and and there and the approach because I really like the Gucci story where Gucci's an influencer and 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 basically all these wide panels are just you know on Instagram and 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 all the comments and um and then of course the the knife twist because you get to the last couple of panels and 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 you just you know what happens if, as, since you've read the first many series. Um, no, this is great. I mean, and and, and what I really, I, what I really appreciate is that it's the whole team is back. It's this isn't like an anthology where you asked your your artist friends, "Hey, I want you to draw the Earl story," or I want someone, you know, I, I want I want Tone to draw this. I want I'm asking Scotty to draw that. I'm asking uh, Ramon to draw something. I you you it, you guys are just telling. The st- you're you're expanding on the universe. You're continuing what you already started. So uh, I it, I like the cohesiveness in that regard. Uh, yeah. But this was great, and I think I I do. It, I mean, I'm sitting on this side of the desk. But is there a reason why you didn't decide to just do this as one chunky one shot? Yes. Uh, image we said to image like we can do this as one big thing or whatever like we said here's how many pages are in it here's how how big the thing is you let us know because you have a better uh understanding of how how this sort of thing works and they said it would be easier to sell two five dollar issues than to just sell one big ten dollar you know one shot 
Um, and also, uh, commercially, they were like, uh, you guys sell a lot of these, so let's do it two times. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> okay, yeah. That's smart, man. Yeah, you know, yeah, more variant covers. No, yeah, I mean, from a business standpoint, definitely. I mean, me as, as, as a reader who just wants, you know, I'm selfish in that way. Yeah. Uh, but no, I definitely, I, I get it. And and for the completest, you know, everybody's going to buy all the covers and, and, and you guys will make out. It, it's... It's great, but I and, and there's even like the the story with Aldo. It's it it takes place at the master's place. So again, these are just they're they're scatter shots. Not the right word, but they are. They're not. It, it's not like you just picked one day that you know all the dogs were back home before the master came and was involved in their lives. These were the you for whatever reason. These are the stories you decided to tell on these particular dogs for this particular few pages, but. Um, I, I I liked it a lot. I'm glad to. I mean, it's weird for me to say this. I'm glad. I'm, I'm happy to revisit the pups, um, as 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 the shitty circumstance they're in. But um, but no, it it I definitely enjoyed the uh, the continuation of um, of what you started. Yeah, thanks, man. Yeah, we like what you're saying about them all being different. Uh, different scenarios and it's it's like different moods as well like the killer one is not a not a terrifying story necessarily and then there are some of them that are happy and then there's some of them that are very sad and some of them are both you know but it was just like we over the course of the two and a half years that we were working on that book we really got attached to those characters but the way that the story works we're like it's over you know like there's no more of those characters not to spoil anything it's not like they all died or anything but it's just the story's done that we, we can't do the continuing adventures of these dogs that are happy now you know like it's, it doesn't have quite the same hook um but we did have just you know a ton of these dogs these characters that we loved so much from from spending so much time with them and and then luckily you know unexpectedly a ton of people also loved them too and so it was just sort of like all right, this is an opportunity to to give to sort of respect the the characters and give them like one solid moment of their own before we put this whole thing to bed. Right. And so I don't know how to sell it to a new reader necessarily. I don't think really it's for a new reader. And luckily the trades are available at the same time. So like if you've been hearing about the book and you're just like, all right, let me finally get this thing. Like you can grab the trade, you can grab the first issue and you can probably get them from you know, cheapgraphicnovels.com or DCBS or whatever and, and get them on the cheap. But, uh, you know, you can read it all in one chunk. Um, but yeah, we're, we're very excited about it. We're happy to, to finally be putting this thing out because the, the series wrapped up in June. And basically since then, we've been working on these, these next two issues. It takes us a, a long time to put this book together. Trish has a regular job and we're all sort of, you know, uh, working on all kinds of stuff at the same time as this, but this is the main, I mean, since June, this has sort of been our main gig, just like putting this book together. And then also there are a metric fuck ton of retailer variant covers for this thing. And, <laughs> Which there are. And we, uh, like on the first one, I think the most we had, like number one had between the three main covers that we had, a B there was a sketch cover there was like a acetate cover like you know all, all the bells and whistles but total I think there were like nine covers 
which is a lot. I'm not, I mean, listen, we've all been in comics for a long time. I don't know if this is a, a sign of good things to come or not, but you know, it's, it's where we are right now. Um, but the, on this new one, I think the, the book hit big enough and it's, and it's been selling for retailers well enough and the trade sells for them. And, and so a lot of people wanted to get down on it and they, at first, like on the first time around, we tried to do as many of those retailer variants as we could because it's just like this is our thing, and we want to keep the, you know, keep the look of it, and have you know, like if it says Stray Dogs on it, we want to be able to stand behind it and say like this is Stray Dogs. Um, so as people started asking about variant covers on this one, we were just like, yeah, we'll do that, we'll do that, um, and it got to the point where Trisha and I had like thirty different covers we had to do for the for the two issue series and we had to finally say like okay we can't do any more and they were like well do you want to let them bring their own artists and it was like oh okay yeah <laughs> that's fine <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh. The guy at image uh, this guy john schlackman uh who's in in charge of the retailer variants he was like you know nobody else draws their own retailer incentive covers you don't have to do this and i was like oh i did not know that <laughs> like somebody could have told me this years ago you could have really said i could be just you know sitting on a beach right now chilling uh, but instead you know i get off the phone here and i'm finishing the the last uh retailer cover for issue one uh, after we get off the phone tonight so night of the living dead cover um but yeah so we've just been cranking on this thing really spending every free moment of our lives with these dogs um, and we're excited to finally put them out there and, and have people that read the book and dug the book get like a, another taste like another uh another go around with these guys uh, and hopefully people dig it i'm a little bit uh nervous about it because it doesn't have the same hook as the original one that people liked you know like serial killer kidnaps dogs and takes them as trophies and they don't know about it is a pretty good hook you know it's like easy to hand sell to people this one's just like stories about dogs <laughs> sometimes their <laughs> masters get killed <laughs> you know so i'll have to figure out how to pitch it but hopefully it's just sort of like that enough people dug the first book that they'll just be like let me get some more of these this stray dogs because it is you know it's all that little it's not like for continuity nerds necessarily but if if you happen to be one of those you know it all fits together in a certain kind of way and like even in the first issue you know like it starts out with killer and then we see killer later in another story and then we skip a couple couple stories, and then we see Killer Moore, and there's like a continuity to what he's up to. So I don't know. We, we're just really proud of it, and we're happy that it's that it's finally coming out. We're psyched. Yeah, I think you should be proud of it. And listen, I, we all, I think the three of us have, when we started reading comics, when we got into comics, and we decided, you know, we we we, we dig this hobby, and we want to find more things like it, you know. My first issue of Fantastic Four wasn't number one. My first issue of Amazing Spider-Man wasn't number one. So if someone just picks up Dog Days and, and they see another story, if this is their first interaction with it, I would hope, well, definitely I would hope the person at the shop would say, oh, by the way, did you read the first book? And if they say no, then, or if they just read this and then they find out that there's more of it. Because there is, is there, will there be a back matter or anything? There's a, um, yeah, there's a letters page in the back, and we're no fools. Also, there will definitely be an ad for that trade in this book. Okay, not to work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. No. I. It's. Yeah. No. I. You. You. You guys did good again. 
thanks, man. Yeah, we're we're very happy about it. We're we're excited for it to come out, and I'm I'm happy you liked it. It looks great. I, I'm I'm just not so sure about the stories. Like, who wrote this thing? <laughs> what idiot? <laughs> who could possibly come up with this? No, I, um, I I again, it's gonna be another one of those lightning strikes deals, and you know. I'm going to buy an RV one of these days, so I know who to go to for the down payment. I can help you out. Yeah. <laughs> <right> <laughs> Pull up to your, your, your crib. To yeah, one of these days. Nice. Yep. I'll come out and see you. Yeah, I love it. I got a driveway. You can come hang out. My neighbors have an RV that they keep in their driveway 24-7. You do realize that you run the risk of Christmas vacation, right? You get yep. Come and dump your shit around <laughs> on my curb. Yeah. <laughs> Without the that'd conspiracy theories. That'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, he didn't. That was before he got into those. Yeah. He's a nutter now. But whatever. Update. I'm taking off the gloves. Now I just got to rub in this balm and I think my hands should be fixed. So good news. Good thing we're sitting down, right, Dap? <laughs> oh my God. It, I'm the just... thrills don't stop. Oof. Do we have I'm more comics? This next time. Uh, there is, well, speaking of pets, um, cause I, I, I read this a while ago, um, and it's probably, I enjoyed it a lot, but it's one of those things where I, you know, like you, Vince, um, could this spot, it's, it's not, not that it takes up a lot of space, but could that space on the shelf be used for something else? And the size is a little weird because it's kind of, uh. It's almost squared. Anyway, it's called Marvel Meow. It's by uh, Now Fuji, and it is um, is actually published by Viz Media. Um, and the concept, the idea was that um, uh, now I believe um, let's see, uh, she. Did the, these were I think some of these were some of the drawings in this book were variant covers, um, but I think they were also Instagram um, cartoons. But the um, the main star of the entire book is um, is Chewie, Carol's uh, pet flurkin, the the cat, and each. Um, each basically you have the page with a short handful of panels uh telling a story um and the uh the following page is a character drawing of the marvel hero that shared the story with chewy um so you've got a captain marvel story um and and now his art is fantastic especially uh when she's drawing females, and of course, when 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 she's drawing Chewy, um, there's an Iron Man story, and there's some. I mean, there's some. What's really cool? Um, right, so you've got Captain America, you got Thor and Loki, Hawkeye, Black Widow, and Nick Fury are in one story. Um, Hulk. Some of them are amusing. Some of them are cute. Some of them you can't. You you they just kind of shrug at, but they're all they're all cute. Uh, but then in the back. It, the, the the book is kind of broken up, not in chapters, but after after a few stories featuring some of the characters, there's a um, there's a 
character profiles page where there's a sentence or two um, letting the reader know who the hero, who the character was in that strip. Um, so it's 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 new reader friendly, which is pretty neat. Uh, if, if, if you're a cat lover, then okay, cool. Then there's some Marvel characters that you may or may not be familiar with. Then at least uh, you're kind of um, brought up to speed. There aren't a lot of. Um, it's mostly silent. There, there's an X Men story that has actually the X Men story is a couple of pages long, um, and it's got most of anybody who's ever been in an X-Men book um, that one's got a word balloon and I mean so so she put um, Glob in the story uh, Gambit, Mystique, Magic I mean it's it just a ton of X-Men you wouldn't really expect to see in, in a one-off like if you're going to tell us if you're going to do a book like this you would just you know probably just focus on the more higher profile mutants but i mean you've got like the characters that were in the jason aaron astonishing x-men run it's just like some oddball mutants here and there um there's uh moon knight taskmaster so they're not all heroes the ghost rider one is pretty cute uh because really it's the only time that um the chewy uh doesn't kind of get the upper hand with the um with the penance there um there's a silver surfer story but it is it's it's just it's really neat and it, it was it was unique and when i saw it in the back previews in the viz section um i figured the art alone would um would make it a would make it something that i'd be really interested in um in checking out um and, and I'm glad I did. It, it's nothing. It, it's not necessarily groundbreaking, but the 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 art's solid, and um, and it's just one of those kind of um, nifty Marvel oddities that uh, you might see at 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 you know, Barnes and Noble or something that you're just flipping through, maybe like a stocking stuffer kind of thing. But it's 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 a cute little um, little book, and I have a feeling. Um, but it is, it's, it's also one of those things where, you know, I read it and I would like to pass it on to someone who, who else, who, who could also enjoy it. So, um, yeah, Marvel Meow by Nao Fuji and A.O. Fuji and, um, published by Viz. And, uh, I just thought it was pretty neat. I just wanted to keep the, uh, the whole, uh, pet motif going. Stop, uh, stocking stuffer looks uh, incredibly apt. Like, looks like a great gift for somebody if they are, you know, like if they love cats and Marvel. Even if they just like Marvel movies, you know, like it's just sort of like here's something, you know, stick this on your coffee table. How big is it? It's uh, it's it's not very. It's um, like I said, it's it's squared off. Um, seven by seven. It is okay. Half yeah, an that inch, sounds about right. Half yeah, an inch because, thick, seven by seven. Yeah, because I'm looking, I'm looking at the frames that I have around here, and yeah, they're yeah, yeah, because yeah, because I, like I said, if if these cartoons were in the um, if these strips were being were set up for Instagram, then that that definitely makes sense. Yeah, this is neat looking, and uh, again, definitely great conceptual continuity. Yeah. Because if you're looking for short stories about pets, 
There it is. Nice. Well, I'm just going to fuck everything up then. Okay, um, please do. There's a couple snow dogs in this. All right. I guess that counts, right? Sure. All right. Uh, written by Cy Spurrier. Art by Nathan Gooden. And if you're wondering, where the hell did I hear that name before? Nathan Gooden? What What did he do? Uh, Barbaric? What? Yeah. Beautiful color provided by Addison Duke. It is, of course, published by Vault Comics. It's called The Rush, number one. And it takes place in the Yukon Territory, which, uh, if you know your history, 1899, well, that's the Klondike Gold Rush, where uh, gold was found in the region in 1896, and after the word quickly spread by 1899 over a hundred thousand prospectors they're all trying to do the ralph cramden get rich quick scheme they all had the glint of gold in their eyes and they flooded into the region and we're talking canada right um and it's it's really strange uh it's another one of those comics it's a first issue right another one of those comics where i had to go over the first couple of pages multiple times because it was very strange. Um, Spurrier takes man's natural, um, and some would say unnatural, attraction to gold, and I, it appears to me that he amps up the paranormal aspect of it. Now, I'm not going to get into the whole Anunnaki thing with the gold, but it's it's crazy it's a bit difficult to discern uh you see a prospector right and he's and he pulls a gold tooth out of his mouth and the tooth somehow leaps under the skin of his forearm and he pulls out a bowie knife and he starts cutting into his own arm and he's trying to pull the the gold from underneath his skin and he does he pulls the gold out of there right but not long after he does, he's blown away by this, uh, literally, uh, blown away by this faceless, very well-dressed man and his giant spider companion. Like, So it's not going to make any sense. <laughs> and I'm assuming that it's not going to make very much sense for a couple of issues. So Spurrier has the benefit of the doubt with me right now. There's There's something going on with the gold during one of the uh, biggest um, gold rushes in, in history, right? Where everybody was just crazy about the, that, that, that heavy metal. Um, but lest you think that's all this issue is about, there's more. The, uh, the meat of the issue concerns a mother, young lady named Nettie Bridger. And Nettie is looking for her son. Caleb, that's a simple story. Everybody can get, you can wrap your head around that, right? Mom looking for her son. Universal. Um, Nettie's estranged husband, Nathaniel, uh, a crazed lunatic consumed with lust for gold. Uh, asshole wears a priest collar, but uh, the scumbag can't seem to keep his hands off the liquor and the ladies. Uh, not a great father. And uh, there's, um, it's either implied, 
uh, or understated that Nathaniel either abandoned the, the, the son somewhere or the kid read the room and left his dickhead dad for better prospects, pun intended, once again. Um, but, but it's a dangerous, unforgiving world. And Nettie wants to make sure that Caleb is alive and okay. I'm guessing the kid would be in his late teens. Uh, but it's easier said than done. Especially, now you got to read the room. Uh, we're talking 1899. A woman alone at the tail end of the 19th century? Not a good look. Very, very, very dangerous. Um, and, and Nettie's attractive. Uh, approaching middle-aged, but attractive nonetheless. Age doesn't have anything to do with it, but um, there's one passage in the book where she uh, gets the jump on a uh, a burlesque dancer and takes her place. And the crowd's like, what's your problem? You're old, you're over... Like, you, put the young girl on or or show us some skin and all she wants to know is if anyone has seen her son and the the crowd gives her such a hard time because she doesn't fit the mold of what they expected to see on the stage and she she wants to find her son so bad that she borderline prostituted herself by wearing this outlandish costume and pretended to be something that she's not just to maybe squeeze a little bit of information out of these people but all they wanted was to see a leg or, or a breast but whatever um so uh very dangerous for a woman to be alone uh in this era especially crossing the country side and so she hires a scruffy trapper named make peace time to uh, guide her on her journey and so like i said the the first the bulk of this first issue is exactly that nettie's journey to find her son um and through nettie spurrier introduces you to the time and the places um she's a very very likable character she's tough and she's she has to be and she's determined she doesn't suffer fools um make peace tries tries to make um small talk with her and she she just she doesn't have much time for small talk she just wants to find her son she's very direct and very to the point my kind of gal right uh she's a redhead so i would definitely make a play for her if i lived back then and was in her vicinity uh but she she's very very far out of her depth and um in addition to the humorous situations and the uncomfortable um, occurrences in this first issue, there's very much danger. Uh, there's a lot of bloodshed, and there's um, there's some heartbreak too. So this is just the first issue. We really don't know what's going on. Giant spider, faceless man. What's that about? We don't know. Um, but Gooden on art, and you, you know, I'm I'm in. If you Gooden, because um, you may hear that name once again before the 11 o'clockers uh, come to a close. Just a little bit of foreshadowing. I don't know. Um, but I thought this was a great issue. Uh, again, it's a period piece. And Gooden just pulls you right into this time period. It's very authentic looking. Um, even the, the some of the pages have Nettie's... Um, 
monologuing and they're done on on little scraps of 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 uh, parchment and you get to see how much she loves her son and how much of an asshole her her strange husband is and uh, uh done in sepia tone the flashbacks are done in sepia they're really 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 nice uh but it's great i thought this issue was superb uh i'm not a history buff but i do love great art and i love uh stories with a paranormal um supernatural-esque edge to them and i'm guessing that's what this is so i'm the rush sings it's just gorgeous to beautiful for the eyes uh meaty for the brain although a couple of animals were hurt in the making of this issue so beware if if that kind of stuff uh doesn't sit well with you but it's it's very very violent and uh, in spots it's just great get it the vault comics the rush number one 399 super super job great it would make a great movie i mean it's if if well i don't want to be all corny with the pun or anything but if it is good it's got to be good it's his his work is fantastic yeah he's great yeah yeah, I'll check it out. No, it's it's superb. Um, but again, I'm going to be totally honest. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I don't have to because when he, uh, when Spurrier, uh, he has fashioned a extremely magnetic character in Nettie uh, with a universal desire to to be reacquaint or reconnected with her child. Like that is that's you know three chords and a and a smile it, everybody can can understand it but it's it's the more um uh supernatural aspects that they're there i just don't know how they f- or what they they are or how they factor into the story i have my um my guesses but i think it's too early and i don't want to fall on my face so maybe next issue will re- reveal something or reinforce one of my suppositions but i uh, we'll see the rush number one go 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 get it so good dick yeah look at the art tony i'm looking at it yeah good i mean vault uh smart to hold on to this guy he does he does great work yeah he's like the vault dan mora Oh, <laughs> yeah. Be there forever. Yeah, Moore is a, uh, just a, a powerhouse. He really is. I, I don't understand how Boom is keeping him. I kind of not. I mean, he's, he's doing Batman work. Yeah, he, he, he's, but he's still on the, the what is it? Future, future, yeah. yeah. I think he owns a piece of that. Yeah, that's got to be a little That would love. do it. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. That would definitely do it. And it's, it's rounding, what? 35 issues at this point 30 35 issues that's nice that you can have a big chunk of paper always well hopefully always in print like that because it's an omnibus right eventually yeah i think they did one and uh in addition to trade paperback so yeah he's got a nice little little uh egg roll from that yeah got a real situation going on i think so it's almost like them zogs (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Honestly, if if you could 
somehow contact yourself five years in the past. Do you think? Do you think he would have believed you if you told him, "My dude, <laughs> you'll never ever believe what clicks. You'll never believe it. It's not you know, the ponies. You know what I mean? It, it, what would you say to yourself? I mean, I I guess I would have just given myself the this idea back then and told him to do <laughs> <laughs> and save yourself five years. <laughs> yeah. That's a very good answer. I would tell him about Bitcoin. You know. There you go. Yeah. Vinny, has, Vinny has a Bitcoin. Is that? What did you just say? I said, "Whose turn is it?" Oh, we don't. Yours. We don't need turns, but I think it's yours. Uh, so this one, I think Vince is going to have probably read, but I don't recall hearing him talk about it on the show. And it's one uh, fans of the show uh, know Jason Wood as the the third co-host of this show. He also would probably dig it. And I would guess he hasn't read it because of what it is. Uh, it's the Invincible Red Sonia uh, from Dynamite. Vince, have you read this? The, yes. The more that Palmiati. Yes. And, and the Connor book. Yes, I would... I would struggle saying this, but part of me believes it's the best Moritat has ever looked. But I don't know that, if I, I... That's what I'm here to talk about. I was yeah. very excited about this when it got announced um, because of Moritat and and just because of, like, the like as soon as you heard those two words next to each other, Moritat, Red Sonia, I was just like, oh, fuck. Like, that's a great idea. Holy cow, I can't wait to see that. And uh, the first issue totally delivers on on the promise of, of, you know, that expectation. Um, what, and I'm only going to talk about the first two, two issues because, uh, I missed three and four and my shop has got them ordered for me. Uh, and I have issue five, but I've, I've only read through issues one and two, but man, is it pretty. Yeah. Um, and it's, a, it's a Jimmy Paul Niotti and Amanda Connor write it. Uh, so I know, uh, a lot of the listeners and I know Jason is a big fan of their Harley Quinn stuff. And this seems like, uh, the Amazon.com recommends for fans of, you know, like if you dig that stuff, check this out because it's sort of like that, but brutal and barbaric. Um, and the premise of the story, Vince, you can hop in if I start to fuck it up. But no, you're good. Keep going. Um, it starts out with Red Sonia. We get a little bit of Red Sonia adventuring, some sword play in, at the very beginning of this thing, but then we flash back to a few days earlier, um, and it's Red Sonia. As a pirate queen, or she's not a queen, you know, but she's like a, a yeah. pirate captain of the ship, and she's got this whole uh, gang of marauders with her, and they're out, and they're going to rob some people. Uh, so they come upon this other ship, and then they just jump over there. It's great because it's just a page turn thing where they're like, "Hey, there's a ship," and then you turn the page and it says two hours and twenty eight lives later, and just the other ship is on fire. And there's just dead people in the water, and, and they've just gone over there and rotted. Um, and they, but they find um, a, a package hidden away in, in this in the what do they call that steerage? The, yeah, cargo hold, I whatever. I don't know from boats. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but they find a, uh, a beautiful princess hidden away in in steerage on this boat, and. Uh, the pirates are like, oh, here we go. And Red Sonia's like, all right, hands off, boys. Yeah. Don't get crazy. Remember who's in charge here. But then the princess lady, uh, who looks um, Jim Silky-ish, 
Would mm-hmm. you agree? Sure, sure. A little like Moritat by way of, of Silky. Uh, she gets away and she goes and swims off. Um, but the you know the pirates and Red Sonia still have this whole boat, so they're like, "All right, we win." Uh, so they go to drink some booze, uh, and then they are beset upon by uh, they hear a, a strange siren song, and sure enough, it's sirens. And then, so Red Sony gets in a fight with these cool, ghoulish sirens, um, and she gets to chop a bunch of them off. Uh, chop them up, I mean to say. Their heads come off, and other pieces of them. But, at the end of it, uh, her her team is gone, like her, her band of marauders is gone, and she's afloat, like Leo DiCaprio on that piece of wood out in the middle of the sea. Damn, it's cold. And she's rescued by... I feel like I'm doing the full Vince on this one because I'm really taking you through it. But she she gets rescued by our princess lady, the Jim Silky, and uh, and so now she's uh, her guest and the princess lady. Not to give too much more away, they are uh, they're heading into some dangerous situations, and she's like, "Listen, you can really assert yourself. You can handle yourself. What if you?" Where my what if I hired you on as my bodyguard? Yeah. So now it's her and this princess, and she's going to be the princess's bodyguard. And the princess is betrothed to this new guy, and there's sort of like castle intrigue stuff going on. Um, and Red Sonia is going to have to really get into it. That's the plot of the thing, but it hardly matters because the art, like I said at the beginning, is just so beautiful. Um, issue one is all Mortad; he does the art and colors, and issue two. Uh, he's just doing the art and it's uh, Matt Carter on colors and he's sort of doing a pretty decent job filling in where like you can tell sometimes it feels like Mortet might have gotten a hold of the file and, and did a little over top or this guy was just really going for it but there's some pages that are more that are more or more a tatty uh, than others um, but it still just looks really great yeah uh, and then however when you get to the fifth issue it looks like we might be getting into a little bit of deadline crunch uh, because the colors do sort of get a little more simple, but it still looks great, you know. But that's yeah. just comics, you know. As, as as it goes on, especially when you're dealing with sort of like these, I would call Moritat like a marquee name, you know. And uh, and you get you get a lot of lead time, and you get some some stuff built up, but then eventually you just gotta you know hit your numbers, hit your days. Um, but it still looks, you know. One of the best looking Red Sonya comics you're going to find. Yes, I agree. And, really and uh, they play to their audience. There's uh, there's little not so subtle nods to uh, garments Sonya has worn in other comics, let's just say, and uh, events that uh, she has participated in. So they they know who's buying the books and they know what's going to make these people happy but as i'm reading this series and i i totally agree with you moritat looks great amanda and jimmy really know um no surprise how to write a believable likable semi-likable uh main characters but I'm, I'm i'm going through it and i'm on issue three and issue four and i'm like this is gonna suck big time when moritat decides he doesn't want to do this book anymore. <laughs> yeah well, hopefully they get, you know, a trade or a hardcover out of them, because that's all I re- Like, that's 
sort of what Dynamite does, and I know you read a ton of their books, but yeah. like you just every one of them is like, here's a character I like, and here's a story with that character, and the continuity, you know, comes and goes with the creative teams, and, right. and also numbering comes and goes with the creative teams, right? Like, we'll just do Mirka and Dolfo's, you know, Red Sonia number one. Did she do Red Red Sonia or Vampirella? Red Sonia. She's doing Red Sonia. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get into their their creative ruts where they find something that works, like Sonya Versal, and now Sonya Versal has, in a sense, become Vampiverse, which is the pretty much the exact same thing as Sonya Versal, only applied to Vampirella. So the the different permutations of Red Sonya are now different permutations of Vampirella. It's fun, and I buy it. So jokes on me, <laughs> but you know. Um, the the whole dynamite thing, then dynamite lives, and I I like their books a lot, but but and uh, unless there's a really strong uh, visual team on them, I've been not being as willing to uh, to sign up for the the, the single issues. Yeah, yeah, but and I, but I, I think that's the that's the key, right? Is to get a super. Uh, visual stylist on the book then if 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 linzer uh drew all of the the sonia mortat was not to be found and and uh joseph michael linzner drew it i'd be like all right i'm in this forever but well i think joseph michael linzner must just draw red sonia every single day because every <laughs> issue of every series that comes out has a new jo- joseph michael linzner cover and it's not just yeah. sonia it's vampirella too it's wild. So yeah. what's that mean? Like he's doing, like I guess just two or three covers a month for those guys, and then whatever else he's doing. But See, you figure yeah, he's he's, he's getting about what twelve to fifteen hundred bucks for the cover. I don't. <laughs> I don't know his rates. No, I'm just saying. Uh, what, what, okay, at the, to, at to the pay, most, at the, to pay. Yeah, at the yeah, most, that uh, like a ballpark. That might, so might so. He's making like six grand just drawing these things, and then yeah. he could sell them, unless yeah. he's not doing them digital. But uh, then he could sell. So I'm, I'm guessing jo- Joseph's doing okay. It's kind of smart to kick out three covers a month and like fuck you, sequential guys, whatever. Yeah. You're you're doing all the hard work. I'm just making three single images, and I'm, I'm making as much as you are. Yeah, the dream. Uh, that's the dream, <laughs> right? <laughs> I I say that, and I w- I would be miserable not doing you know like like storytelling panel to panel stuff. But sometimes you see that. I mean, just doing all these dogs covers right now, you just go like, no, oh, it's way easier. You know, like <laughs> crank that thing out in a couple of days, and we're done with it. But, nice. Yeah, Red Son- Invincible Red Sonia from Dynamite. Uh, highly recommended. If you if you like beautiful artwork, definitely check it out because it is beautiful. And it's dirty, but it's very cheeky, sly, not explicitly dirty. Yeah, well, that's like their brand, right? Yeah, that's, it's, it's cheese. Well, you know, it's the yeah. pro, it's uh, Harley Quinn, you know, so it's all winky winky. Yeah, Sonya and the princess are in a, um, a hot tub and there's just enough of their breasts being shown where, you know, if they just set up just a little bit it'd be all over but it's not right it's 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 the 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 feather um burlesque type thing where oh did i see something you think maybe you did but you didn't but thinking you did is just as arousing as knowing you did right yeah 
So cool. Maybe, maybe even more so. I think there's something to be said for the tease, especially in this world where, you know, there's like you porn and the internet and like nobody needs to, nobody is wanting for seeing naked breasts. This uh, is true. So like just the, like giving the hint of it, I think sometimes letting your, letting you fill in the blanks and, and sort of like, you know, use your imagination. I feel like is sort of more uh, engaging Right. On that cheesecake level. On, on Your brain has an unlimited budget. Sure does. Yes. And, and most of it is just for what nipples look like. There are, there, blanks. <laughs> there are many permutations of the nipple. Yeah. All right. Do we have anything else? You want me to bring this baby home? I can. I'm, I'm done. Okay. David. We're, uh... Your let's see, there was one thing. I think I think I was gonna be Vince's in your travels, so um I might chime in. But yeah, no, I'm 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 good. Okay. The Tony's dream translates to um collecting in the dream is getting your books extremely inexpensively. Well, how can you make this dream a reality? Just go to Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Take a look around at their list of specials, and you'll be like, wow, I used to have a budget. Now I can get 40% more, 50% more from my budget. You could squeeze a little bit more blood out of that stone and get more comics. It's all good. From a boom, Cursed Pirate Girl, Devil's Cave number 1. The return of Jeremy Bastian's signature character. It says $9.99 on the cover, but you're only going to pay $4.99. Uh, from Bad Kids Press, Frankenrocker and, and the Jailbait Punks, number one of four, will cost you $2.49. And from Fanagraphics Underground, whatever, Squatrant, number 14, will cost you $12.74. It is far less than the price of a uh, single credit at community college, and you'll probably learn a hell of a lot more from this issue. But uh, just order it in your travels. Let me get it out over here because I put it aside. I didn't want to get it all messed up. I really, really hope you follow Robin Bougie on the Twitter uh, because if you did, you got in on the first issue of his newest uh, dream project. And it's a little, I don't want to call it a fanzine, but that's what it is. It's a fanzine called Gutter Hunter. Unfortunately, the uh, print run of the first issue is gone. Yep. I believe he published, uh, printed 600 of them. And they're all gone. But he is going to do a second printing. And uh, part of the reason... What? I, the, sec I, the second printing, I believe, is just... There was a problem with the Store Envy uh, site. And either, either more people paid for... The, more, more than 600 people paid for the first issue because the print run was 
was limited. Anybody who paid for it, but obviously uh, couldn't get one because there aren't any more. There's a limited edition. There's a limited second printing print run for just those people who were not screwed over, but but for who who thought they were getting a copy but weren't because of some snafu. So yes, it it. it Robin's going back to print, but I believe only to accommodate on, only only t- for those people who ordered it but can't couldn't get it. Well, I'm I'm looking at the way the ink lays on the cover, uh, mm-hmm. front and back. I think he's using a print-on-demand service, okay. like like Kablam or right. CreateSpace. There's no reason why he can't print a thousand more of these things. Sure. No, I get it. It's neat. I don't think there's any setup costs um, with this. Whatever, whatever his reasoning, um, you're going to be able to get this either way. Because, um, as a big fan of Buji, who was the uh, creative mastermind behind Cinema Sewer, Cinema Sewer was uh, a labor of love in which Buji would. Um, Proclaim his his devotion to porn movies, exploitation films, horror flicks, um, and the like in comic form. Now, by comic form, sometimes he'll do a little sequential bit, but for the most part, it's like Robert Crumb's Weirdo, if you've seen that, where Bougie draws beautiful pictures and hand letters everything, and he'll draw scenes and incidents and people from these great movies so he just took basically he took the cinema sewer formula and applied it to comics and um the first page he's like all right this is my mission statement um you know that that gatekeeping and that exclusivity and the multiple covers and the whining about the movies and all that shit, well, you're not going to see it here. I'm not doing any of that. This is just a freak who loves comics, fringe comics, stuff that you didn't know existed. Uh, here's the people who make them. And here's the issues you didn't even know existed. There's a um, Mark Bell inter- uh, interview. There's a Hempel interview. Ralph Snart. Uh, Dr. Gorpon. That, uh, I said Hempel, Hanson, uh, Mark Hanson interview. There is a piece on, uh, where is it, where is it, where is it? It's 100 pages long, and it is all handwritten, just like Cinema Sewer. It's amazing. Um, I even had to, there's a, a, a piece on why Wally Wood's canon is so easy to find, even though it was printed in 1969. Uh, I won't spill the beans. And it's dirty because it's Robin Bougie. So uh, $12.99 cover price. If you can, $12 cover price. If you can get this, get it. If not, don't be crazy and do something that's going to get you behind bars because the Bougie formula is he'll collect the issues of his various projects in um, trade paperback form. There are seven volumes of Cinema Sewer. I'm guessing after he does another Gutter Hunter, he'll collect the two issues 
but what he does for the collected editions is he'll add like 80 pages worth of stuff. So he's got you coming and going. You're going to buy the single issues and then you're going to see that the trade paperback has another 50 pages of extra stuff that you don't even know what it is because you've never seen it and you're going to buy that too. He's, he's, he's a, a freaking wizard and a madman and a, a, a filth pig like myself. We were cut from the same cloth. So Robin Bougie, Gutter Hunter, they'll explain, he'll explain what the, the, the title means and where it came from. Uh, within the first couple pages, so get it. Uh, I don't go to his follow him on Twitter, Robin Bougie, uh, or check out his Etsy. I don't know with Sorabi. Hold on, it's it's just, it's um. Oh man, I just had it. Uh, but it, it's um, yeah. So if you go to S T O R E N V Y. Um, and or yeah, like you just said, you could just do a search. But it's it, it's yeah, because it's under Cinema Sewer. Uh, the storefront is cinemasewer.storeandbeat.com. Yeah. Um. And if you can't get Gutter Hunter, I suggest dipping your toes into the Cinema Sewer universe. Uh. But be warned. Um. Robin's pretty unexpert. Like he'll, he's dirty. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It's there's there's gonna be nudity and penetration and bodily fluids and and all that stuff. I love him, but uh, you know your mileage may vary. You may be not attuned to that kind of stuff. But uh, that's what Gutter Hunter is gonna be. There's nudity in Gutter Hunter, and there's a hell of a lot of nudity in uh, Cinema Sewer. So yeah, just go throw money at Robin Bougie because he's one of the best. Well, you can get your hands on Gutter Hunter because they're doing a second printing. It comes yeah. out. Yeah, you can nice. pre-order it. That's nice. what I just Cool. Well worth your time. It'll take you uh, a good two weeks to read it. Probably more. Nice. Yeah. Well, my schedule will take me ten years to read it. So I'll just leave it on my end table and put it away when polite people come around. Right. But the problem with Gutter Hunter is I've done it reading this issue i'd be like i didn't know that existed mycomicshop.com okay order <laughs> order order like stop it, it just leads to spending more money that's the problem but yeah just get it poor baby <laughs> that's like when i come on this show true just yes. be ordering up a goddamn stall uh in your travels um the uh, I was really um, I've been waiting for the fifth issue of um, Superman Son of Kello uh, because um, John Timms is back on art um, Tom Taylor is still your writer uh, the colors are fantastic because it's uh, they're now done by Hi-Fi so there's uh it's kind of a hate free book now but the um the story cuz where we last left our hero uh Bendix had overwhelmed him kind of amped up uh John's powers and i mean he could hear and see everything and and it was it was kind of just it was it was a lot. so instead of um 
succumbing to that or, or, or looking for a hole or go out into space so that, you know, he can kind of just deprive himself of, of all the sensory overload. Um, he decides to kick it in high gear and he, uh, he goes and he's, uh, rescuing people from a flood in, um, in Luxembourg and he's, uh, saving people from poachers in, uh, in Africa there's a um, there's a little girl who's lost in Costa Rica. There's a bridge about to collapse that he's so he's he's just he's being Superman and it's absolutely fantastic and um, and it seems to be present day because when he brings uh, some injured folks to a hospital, everybody inside and out is masked up, including Superman. Um, but it's starting to take its toll on him. All this work that he's doing. Uh, he's overexerting himself now. And I mean, there's one person who he, um, there's a dude crossing the street, focused on his phone, headphones on oblivious walks into traffic and, and John swoops him up and gets him across the street. But unfortunately, um, he, he broke the dude's arm and, uh, and, and of course, you know, he's sorry. He didn't mean to. And, 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 you know, he, he, um, he's able to, um, catch up with, uh, he, he's able to calm down, but it looks like he flies away from, from the dude he just injured. So I don't know if, if, if that's going to, you know, in, in the seventies or eighties, I'm sure that would have been, you know, the next three issues would have been this dude suing John Kent. But, uh, so I don't know what's going to happen to this dude, but, um, he uh john meets up with uh well well airy who was in the 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 third issue one of the powered folks from um from gomorrah he uh he brings um he brings john to jay so so jay can uh kind of calm him down a bit uh jay of course is also from Gamora, he could face through everything, which is why he was he wasn't injured when the Kent's house was uh got blown up real good. And Jay's basically saying, you know, listen, you've you've expended a lot of energy and you're tired. That's what happens with normal people do it, but you of course well, to the nth degree. So um so he ends up so so John just lays down and, and next thing you know, it's like fucking eight hours later. Uh, eight or nine hours later, um, he put noise canceling headphones on him and everything, so he was just dead to the world, practically literally. So, um, John's rested, and uh, this is this is the issue where um, John and Jay kind of uh, make their relationship uh, change their status on on Facebook more or less. But he he leaves his cape with Jay. And um, and he flies off uh, because there's um, he's got to still go back to fix some of the work he did earlier, and um, and then he'll he'll be back to take on President Bendix. But it was it was it was a neat issue in the sense that here's here's a kid, young kid who you know, of course is is taken on the mantle dad passed the torch and um and and he 
he didn't uh he didn't shy away from uh from from what he was dealt with he he uh he just he basically he took the lemons and and made a tall ass pitcher lemonade and it was it, it was a really really well done issue and i think i'm i'm really enjoying what what taylor's doing with the character um this was this was just a um a John Kent as as Superman issue. There was no Lois. There was no there was no Mom Pa Kent. There was uh, there wasn't really a whole lot of what would Dad do. It was just it was it was it was him being Superman and saving the day and saving people. Uh, it was great to see. It looks beautiful, um, but it was a solid issue as far as um, continuing John's story and of course his uh, his relationship with Jay. So I. Dug it a lot. I'm still been, you know, it's it's still something I read as soon as I can get my hands on it. Um, so Superman, Son of Kal El. This is the fifth issue, and I believe the first four issues have had, uh, or at least the first issue. I, I know there were some second and third printings released today of earlier issues in this uh, in this series. So you'll be able to. Um, get it uh wherever you get your books if you uh if you haven't been reading it so yeah there you go for your travels this week man i was afraid i was gonna sound like a broken record but then david recommended superman so i was just like again yep no, <laughs> so that opens the door for you man that's right uh star wars comics uh as i often talk about um i i let them stack up and then i read through a bunch of them and i've just almost finished reading through the war of the bounty hunters, which is a big crossover that went through a bunch of star Wars books. And, uh, where we're at right now is, uh, as far as like what's good star Wars comics, um, bounty hunters. I don't think I'm going to continue with past this, uh, uh, crossover. Cause it's mostly characters that I don't, you know, it's like Dengar is the most popping character in that book as far as like people I care about. Then they got new characters, and those guys are cool and stuff, but I'm good there. Uh, Dr. Aphra, uh, which is a book I loved uh, up until this most recent run, now I'm just sort of like, I continue to read it, but it's fine. I'm kind of waiting for something to happen. They added a whole bunch of new characters, um, and it's sort of like the, the Dr. Aphra that I show up for is spread a little bit thin. It's an interesting thing to say because Dr. Afra herself, obviously a new character, but there's enough of her and she's charismatic enough that you want to follow her adventures. All these other ones, they're trying to bring some new, new. And uh, I'm just, I just want to see more about Dr. Afra. Star Wars book, pretty good. Uh, and the main crossover book was pretty good. It's a lot of like the, the premise of it is uh, Han Solo's uh, carbonite, uh, his body frozen in carbonite gets stolen from Boba Fett on the way to drop it off at Jabba the Hutt. And, uh, it's about like Boba Fett having to get it back. And meanwhile, everybody else in the galaxy wants it too. So like the empire's after it and, uh, the rebels are after it and a bunch of other people are after it, but what, who ends up with it? Uh, this is a little spoilery for a crossover that I think has been finished for a couple months now, but is, uh, Kira from the Han Solo movie in Crimson Dawn they're back and it's sort of like them making their big play for to show that they're a, a force in the underworld in the star Wars universe. Um, and it's pretty cool because it's all these people from all the different books sort of getting a first look at like what Crimson Dawn's all about. 
and Crimson Dawn sort of like worked its way into all the different parts of the Star Wars universe. Like they've got people inside the Empire, they got people inside the Rebellion. You know, so they're sort of like this secret hand type thing where Kira's running all this shit uh, from behind the scenes. But uh, and for sure, the most beautiful book out of the whole thing was the the uh, kickoff book. Uh, where Steve McNiven drew like the setup for the whole thing, this like single Boba Fett issue. I think it was called War of the Bounty Hunters Alpha, uh, and he just drew badass Boba Fett page after page after page. Um, but my favorite book, uh, and I've recommended it before, but I feel like it's the sort of thing where you're just like, yeah, whatever, uh, is uh, Darth Vader by Greg Pak and Raphael Ayanko. Uh, they're up to like issue 17 now, and for the most part, it's almost entirely been drawn by Raphael Hanko. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong. Um, and he's, uh, I think, the best Star Wars artist regularly working on these comics right now. Like His shit is just cool looking. He draws cool ships. His characters look like the people, but they also have you know, like emotion and action and stuff. Like It's not photo-refy nonsense. It's just like great comic booking great star wars comic booking um and like i said about the new characters they added new characters into this in this book probably about six months ago um they introduced ochi of bestoon this is some nerdy shit i'm about to talk about y'all uh but fans of (laughs) the sequel trilogy of which there are fewer and fewer will remember that's who uh the emperor hired to track down and kill ray's parents um, and they find his corpse like underground in in the uh, uh, like a, a, a snake that Ray has to heal because it's got a it's got a cut or something. I don't know. Then they fly away in Ochi Bestune's ship. They find Dio, the little droid. Anyway, they introduced Ochi Bestune in Darth Vader now, and he's sort of been like Darth Vader's uh, not his partner, but he's just like this this uh, rough and tumble guy that Darth Vader keeps around gets in adventures with for a little while sort of the way Dr. Aphra was uh, in the first Marvel Darth Vader stuff Um, and he's a super fun character uh, but Darth Vader during the War of the Bounty Hunters his whole deal is like uh, he he the Emperor sends him to go get that Han Solo uh, from this auction that that the Crimson Dawn is having and he just shows up and he's just like we're not paying for that we're the Empire just give us that thing and everybody's just like, oh, I guess so. He gets in a fight with <laughs> Kira. Uh, that's cool. But then also there's all sorts of like behind the scenes backstabbing going on with other people that are like trying to curry favor with the Emperor. Emperor's whole deal in this book is just like, look, Darth Vader's my guy. But if one of you can take him out, you'll be my guy. So go for it. Um, and it's fun because that means like, every, you know, this Empire, it seems like it's a tight shit that's being run. They all report up to the emperor but a lot of them don't give a fuck about darth vader they just want this guy you know like they want to take him down if they can and nobody can because he's a badass um but the the way that greg Pak gets inside of darth vader's head and sort of like has a motivation for this guy i feel like star wars comics are at their best when they add to your understanding of the characters that you've known for in my case for my whole life right and he, he does that in this book. I, I Like, I think with all licensed comics, you can sort of decide. It's I like to, to pick and choose what counts, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, th- there have been a million Star Wars comics. I drew some of them. 
uh, some things count, some things don't count. Uh, and then at some point, you know, Marvel or, or not Marvel, Disney or whoever will say like, none of that stuff counts anymore. And then that's just like, officially it doesn't count. But I, I feel like we're all adults here. We can just decide what counts for ourselves. And in, in my Star Wars, this definitely counts because it's sort of, like I said, combined with Clone Wars and the sort of like Anakin Skywalker journey and that this, you get the Darth Vader journey and, uh, it's it really it's great like it really makes the character uh even better than than he already was and he was already pretty great so darth vader from marvel greg pack raphael anko a plus star wars comics so good yeah you are crazy for the star wars uh, yeah i'll tell you what as busy as i am um i like i have a hard time keeping up with this like i still buy all the comics i want to read um, but it's always easy for me to pick up and read a Star Wars comic because, like, I don't have to try too hard to remember what happened last month. It's just like, oh, it's got Darth Vader. All right, let's see what he's up to. <laughs> <laughs> like, I already know most. I know where how he was born and how he will die. And so everything else is just what happens in the middle. And that he hates sand. <laughs> he hates sand. That's right. Uh, he's, a, he's a little bit hungry for power. Uh, and he's got, you know, uh, daddy issues. Yeah, he's a shitty father. Yeah. That's all you need to know. Yeah. Yep. Well, another couple things you need to know, that if you enjoyed this, you can find more of it over at Twitter, Reddit, Instagram, Facebook. And while you're at it, wow, come to our Patreon site, patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics where you can check out that other thing we got going on. Lots of uh, stuff going to be happening because next week is Emerald City. So we take the patrons along with us and show them things and record crap and make videos and take pictures and all that stuff. And it all goes up on the Patreon site. So if you want to see what that's all about, go to Patreon forward slash 11 o'clock comics. Um, you should really, if you haven't read stray dogs what the hell is wrong with you uh because this guy here wrote it and uh, he's amazing um sometimes but uh the this dog days thing that he told you about will be coming up soon he told you within there so get the original trade paperback if you don't have it stay on board for the dog days because this is it right you said no more no more stray dogs after this. unless so somebody yourself. backs a brinks van up to your house and begs you yeah unless we meet trish and i get broke uh we, we we're good for now like this it's the end of the story and also like i said at the beginning foc is on monday so tell your shop uh that you want it and also we're doing a we haven't announced this yet but there's going to be a um foc like incentive variant so shops that order a certain amount of copies are going to get uh vince you might think this is cool or you might not yeah. uh we hired uh, a buddy of mine, Bill Morrison, who a lot of people know from The Simpsons, to do a variant cover for us. Um, and you're like, that's a weird choice. But it's because Bill Morrison drew horror movie posters and he drew animated movie posters. So, like, he did the poster for House with the severed hand ringing the doorbell. Yes. Uh, he did. He didn't do Motel Hell. He did... Uh, hotel where <laughs> anyway he did a bunch of uh 
horror movie posters in the 80s. And he also did, like, the Little Mermaid poster and the Oliver and Company poster and the Lady and the Tramp VHS poster. So, like, we were like, wouldn't it be cool to sort of, like, we were trying to synthesize these two things and make um, and make this project that. And this guy is sort of, like, the living embodiment of those two things. So we hired him on. It's going to be a 1 in 50 incentive variant. So if your shop... Uh, is the type of shop that orders a bunch of books, let them know that they can get this one. And, uh, and, and then hopefully people will be able to get their hands on it. I always feel bad putting like super, uh, limited stuff out there. Cause I, I know that not everybody's going to be able to get their hands on it, but I, you know, what am I going to do at a certain point? You know, <laughs> like <laughs> we thought this would be a cool little secret thing to make and, and put out there. So we're doing it. It's really cool. Yeah. Bill Morrison, one in fifty. It'll be available on Monday when the FOC goes up. Nice. Well, That's I'm. Rad. I got nothing else to say about that, except say goodnight. Oh, next episode, book of the month. And you guys are going to uh, Emerald City? What next Friday, Thursday? <laughs> next Wednesday, but Thursday is the flight, so Thursday. Yeah. And you're recording, I know you're recording together live. Wednesday, yeah. Day. Which is the book of the month. Yeah. So cool. It's all over the place. Uh, Transmet, book of the month. Um, in a week. Uh, David, you don't have to do the whole thing. Let me just do it again. Uh, say goodnight. That was a long, long time. It was really long. David. No, that was like two freaking minutes, three minutes. It was too long. It was it was it was about thirty odd seconds. You know, he's just watching. Uh, he's not using a watch. <laughs> not me, David. That was okay. I it seemed it was, like it was longer than that. Was yeah, okay. No, the second one was quicker. The first one was about half a minute. You told me not to do that one, so then you did the second. Ah, it was too long. Then you just canceled you, the first you, one. Right. Yeah. And then the second one was pretty short. Nice. Well, that's it. We got nothing else. Go get out of here. Tony. Yeah. Say what you got to say. I mean, I bought tonight. I bought Dracula by Breccia. I bought the cinema sewer for comics. What's it called? Gutter Hunter. Gutter Hunter. And I, oh, also, I got a box full of great stuff from my guy. Matthew got uh, nice. So a, a real banner episode for me here on uh, Eleven O'clock Comics. Very happy to have been here with you guys. That's <laughs> what I'm thankful for this year. Uh, and by Stray Dogs. Yes, because it's wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for that one.